0: Alright, welcome to the Miguele Podcast. I am Stuart Anderson. In this episode, we hear from Mr. Chris Harmon. Grateful for Chris and thankful for Charles Smart, who also joins as co-host. You know, years ago when Chris joined the team, it was Charles that brought him on. Uh, the thickest thieves, those two, we're grateful for them, uh, their friendship, and obviously Chris's influence on the team. Uh, so strong, yet so competitive, so kind. Uh, Just a great teammate, he's had some incredible years uh, gaining strength and becoming the cyclist he is today with literal veins popping from his quads. We'll talk about it, don't worry, we'll dive in there. But so grateful for Chris and Charles, the time they spent sharing Chris's story about how he came into cycling and uh, how he trains and what he does with his family and work for balance. And uh, just everything that kind of makes Chris tick. So grateful for him. Uh, thankful for everybody on the team as we uh, start this new year. This is probably the last podcast you'll hear um, where we're going to talk about kits. So the 2023 kit store is open now until January 9th, which is a Monday. And then once the store closes, we might open it uh, two more times in the summer for some additional kits uh non-winter stuff when we get to warmer weather so all right thanks so much enjoy this podcast with chris and chaw all right bye all right what up here we go all right everybody welcome to episode 74 i'm Stuart anderson joined by charles smart hey chaw
1: how's it going day of skiing with your kids today solid five hours on the mountain two hours of traffic
0: also joined by uh, Brother Chris Harmon. Chris, greetings.
2: What's up, everyone? Good to be here.
0: Were you we working today, Chris? It's uh, Christmas break here, so.
2: No, you know what? We, uh, very minimally, I'm working this week. Uh, for the most part, just trying to spend time with the family, hang out, get some skiing in, just mm-hmm. get as many Swift rides in as I can uh, while I've got the time off, so, you know.
0: <laughs> I sent Chris a text, or how did you know I was on last night? when i was finishing that i
2: went to bed i was like i wonder if Stu's on because i know uh, he had to finish that ride and i was sure like embar-
0: i was like embarrassed when you <laughs> 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 i went downstairs after this movie to finish that stupid swift route it was like whatever 107 miles and Kristen's like what are you doing because i don't ride it at- dude no no, we don't ride at night that's just stupid right. um right. I I don't think I finished at like, 11.20. I mean, it was an hour and a half to finish. That I believe mission. it. Sucks. Yeah. And you then gotta, you're just, I think like
2: you guys to give the listeners it's a little context. Yesterday, we did the PRL uh, full 108 miles on Zwift, just a mm-hmm. full meat grinder. Uh, five and a half hours. Stu had to take off early, so he just left his avatar in London all day <laughs> <laughs>
0: when i got when i got home at night and it was just sitting there i was like i was actually kind of half disappointed that i hadn't like timed out
2: <laughs> yeah hey, you got the completion hopefully you get a big kudos from dave Britton on that one
0: well strava shows that i only rode for five and a half hours if you just do moving time so we'll just take that
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: dumb. very good all right anything else Shaw? what else you working this week i'm not i'm yeah, it's similar to Chris, just trying to take time with my kids and get in as much skiing as possible. Nice, it's been great,
0: dude. What a great week! This is such a fun week. It's like so cool, like just ending the year and just hanging out. And I love it. It's a great time. Yeah. All right, Chris Harmon. We're interviewing him. This is going to be an incredible episode. We have a lovely introduction by his uh, wife, Brittany. Although Chris reminded me yesterday to do this. So Brittany, she really came through quickly. And have you read it yet, Chris?
2: You know, just uh, she asked me if it was okay if we told a joke up front. I said, that's fine. Um, Oh, my gosh. It is a great joke.
0: It is so good. (laughs) On his deathbed, Chris asked his best friend to do him a favor. Anything, replies his friend. Just don't let my wife sell my bikes for what I told her I paid for them.
2: <laughs> I have a feeling
0: Chris will be asking this of you. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to know how much you spent on bikes and gear. So good, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, why don't you go ahead and ask Chris right now your first question. Oh about, boy, About the two bikes.
1: Tell us, tell us, Chris, there was a, a famous day when you brought home two new <laughs> s-works in the same day tell oh, tell us God. about that day how did it go down
2: oh um, yeah so i um <laughs> you, know, I, you know it's one of those things i i we've got a we've all got a friend that you know has a hookup through specialized and he um he had some bikes that were available and i'd always wanted to upgrade to an s-works uh tarmac but at the same time i had some major fomo for all the guys doing gravel and so i just was like you know if you're gonna buy one s works why not just (laughs) buy two? you know just i remember like going to the bank and like taking out that cash and just being like freak like this is like the most cash i've had in my hand in a long time i mean it was a great deal it wasn't like full price by any means but still it's like used or you know used bike pricing that was a little big chunk of change and
1: so freaking funny
2: yeah, it was a, it was a good day. Um, I feel like that's when I really just kind of grew up as a cyclist. Mm-hmm. When, you know, once you get your ass works, that's when you know you've made it and, and yeah. you're just a true cyclist, right?
0: When you buy one, you might as well just do a twofer, just take them. And I think I came over to your house that week and they were both just sitting in the front, like foyer of your house. Oh, just yeah? like both of
2: them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not putting those in my garage. No. <laughs> we all know what happens when that, when you do that. Oh my God, it's so funny. <laughs>
0: All right, here we go. I'm gonna read this onto the on the introduction. Okay, Chris was raised, born, Holiday Mill Creek area. Which high school is that? Skyline, right? Skyline. Yep. Okay. Oldest of six kids. Attended Skyline, where he played football. What position?
2: You know, I, was, I played running back. I was a little bit thicker uh, back in mm-hmm. high school. I had a little bit more muscle on me, and um, okay. I was pretty quick. So,
0: dude, prestigious uh, Skyline High School football program that's that's yeah, you know we
2: we're kind of the tail end of those legacy years uh you know i so I was there two thousand one two, and three the seasons um and those were the three seasons that we took second place in state, so you know really proud of that that we mm. we just took second you know all three years Ooh, and
0: that's first. great that's so I great. think the prior I,
2: eight or nine years we had taken we taken state like you know it, it was a the powerhouse in the valley at the time and so yeah. What's what's sad is we had probably one of the best teams, but we're also playing against some some kind of freakishly good teams. Hunter High uh, had some, you know, like Matt Asiata and a couple other guys that came from that team that just ran us over. So hey anyway. Hey,
0: taking second place in the state, I attribute all my success to that loss. I did the same. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, Chris loves to ski bike boat play the piano how about that yeah
2: yeah huh. i uh you yeah, started when i was eight years old and i uh, just kept going until probably 16 or so about high school time frame when i stopped taking lessons but i still love playing like I'll, I'll play you know here and there don't get to play as much as i used to but yeah. it's a good time I want to teach my kids so i think it's a good skill to have
0: chad do you play an instrument
2: You know, I took piano lessons
1: as a kid and then probably phased out in junior high. And I wish I had stuck with it, but not, yeah, not anymore.
0: My mom said that as soon as I could play every hymn in the hymn book, I could quit lessons. (laughs) I've heard that rule. (laughs) So I did it. (laughs) Okay. um, Loves to watch movies and a ton of popcorn. What is a ton of popcorn? What is that? You know, you, you go to the movie
2: theater and you get a large bucket and you know, that's not to share. That's, uh, that's something for me and <laughs> maybe Brittany if she's lucky. <laughs> I honestly, I'm, I'm a pretty healthy eater for the most part, but for some reason, popcorn ever since I was little, that's like the one thing that I just go to town on. I, I love can't. that
0: dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here are our second, you're our second back-to-back guest here. Who's broken his back. Nate Kazir broke his back. Yeah. Dude, what is up with this? So first time skiing in Brighton and second during football is senior year. Holy, I did not know this about you. Cha, did you know this?
1: I, I feel like I'd heard it in passing, but I, no. Hey,
0: okay. details?
2: Yeah so uh the first it was uh I think ninth grade um winter and it was like just that time where you think you're invincible you think your bones are made of rubber you can just like take a hammering in the in the park I was big into the park so just doing all the rails tables all that stuff and you know you think you're invisible invincible and one day we are up there night skiing with just a bunch of high school buddies or I guess the time ninth grade buddies but we um I just hit this table a little too big and just came down right on my like shoulder blades with like facing forward with my feet above me in the air and just crunched and really compressed for vertebrae into triangles basically if you're looking at it from that side profile view and just like crushed them so I and, no it knocked the wind out of me the ski patrol took me down the meat wagon and you know they looked at me at the clinic and they're like oh yeah he's okay he just knocked the wind out of himself but my dad he's a physician and he was skeptical just because of some of those symptoms and pain that i had and so he took me in to get an mri the next morning and you know sure enough four vertebrae right basically right it's uh it was like t or not yeah my thoracic vertebrae from about four five and six and seven compressed into triangles so i had to wear this turtle shell and i wish i had a picture of this i could show you but it's basically from the imagine like this shell that wraps around your torso from the waist all the way up to right below your like pectoral muscles and then this like steel like kind of support that goes up above like almost to your sternum and it just keeps your back completely straight i had to wear that for six months uh, my ninth grade year at Wasatch Junior High and it was like one of those things was like are you kidding like I was just known oh that's the kid that broke his back like look at that idiot <laughs> <laughs> But um, it was like molded to my body so I could wear a shirt over it so it wasn't as noticeable but people loved to like come and like knock on my on my oh on my, my shell um yeah Dude. kind of a scary experience but also a um you know a humbling experience made me realize that my bones aren't made out of rubber that i, yeah. I actually can't myself
0: holy smokes crazy and then you did it again as as a senior
2: yeah i um it was uh, just during a practice uh, it was this one wasn't a serious uh, i mean it was a stress fracture uh in my uh lumbar uh just basically just hyper extending my back like way too far and um you know one of the supporting um kind of things that wraps around your spinal cord basically stressed it bent it didn't crack it but bent it enough that um you know it it put me out for a long time so kind of a you know kind of a funny thing I've never broken an arm never broken a a leg or you know the normal things you break it's just all all in the back so dang
1: all right does your does your back bother you now or totally recovered and no issues
2: you know, it was probably three or four years that I would continue to have pain from the skiing accident in my, in my back. Um, not bad, but like, you know, every t- once in a while I just get super sore, kind of like throbbing. Now it's fine uh, from those injuries, at least, you know, I've got some other arthritic stuff going on and that's completely separate, but the back, uh, back breaking or, or healed up uh, the best that I know of. Hmm.
0: Okay. Dang, dude.
2: Yeah. Kind of an interesting fact. Not everyone can say they've broken their back.
0: We have another interesting fact about you that's coming up. I can't wait to dig oh, it. Yeah, I don't I even want to know. It. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's good. Okay. Uh Chris served LDS Mission 2005-2007 to Little Rock, Arkansas. Hold on. Spanish speaking. <laughs> that's a, class, <laughs> it's a classic combo. <laughs>
2: right, right. Uh,
0: yeah, so good. They, sure, do we speak, have...
2: they do speak Spanish in Arkansas, a matter of fact. Uh yeah. You know what's interesting? A lot of people a lot of immigrants that come from Mexico, Central America, even South America. uh, I mean, Texas is just so saturated. They all come up looking for work. I mean, and, and, you know, they're looking for opportunity. And so a lot of times it's just overly saturated. There's not enough in Texas where a lot of them kind of end up. And so they kind of branch out to some of the surrounding states. And so there's actually, uh, you know, some really large communities in Arkansas. And I spent actually about 15 months of my time in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, So Mm -hmm. really kind of, dirty south
0: over there dang so dirty
2: nice all
0: right right. Brittany says shortly after returning home uh we met got married 2009 before we started a family chris and i enjoyed (laughs) i think this is funny before we started a family chris and i enjoyed doing everything together i can hear her being like now we don't enjoy doing everything (laughs) together (laughs) just we traveled a lot uh, we traveled a lot, even went to Europe twice, skied together in the winter, biked together in the summer. Chris was a very supportive husband, husband and even helped me train for triathlon. Maybe talk about that for a sec, because you mentioned it down in your, down below. Yeah,
2: yeah, she, she's being a little humble when she says triathlon. She's, uh she's completed Ironmans, half Ironmans. Um, okay. It's always a goal of hers. She did, uh, she was a really big swimmer in high school. She, you know, took state in a few different uh, disciplines and, um, so she already had that, and that's usually like most triathletes' uh, biggest weakness, right? And she was already a big runner, so really the only thing that she didn't have figured out yet was cycling. So when her and I got into cycling, started riding together, she built those muscles up. She kind of just felt like, hey, I got to give this a go, give it, give it a try before we start having kids. And man, like seeing her go through that, like I, has made me never want to do an Ironman or <laughs> triathlon. <laughs> just seeing... It's funny because we spend so much time on the bike, right? Like, probably similar to what she does, but it's like, it's like a part time job. She was like during her intense mm-hmm. hours, like she, her week, she was doing 20, 25 or more hours of training. So I remember Saturdays, you know, she'd go swim at the gym and then she'd come back and have to like go run like a 15 mile run or go do a 50 mile bike ride or whatever. And mm. um,
1: brutal.
2: She, yeah, yeah. She's a, a good example of discipline, especially in the early years of our marriage. Nice.
0: Uh, Chris and I have bought four different houses in the first eight years of marriage, fixing each up and then selling them a few years later. So now Chris lives in the Willow Creek area, and this is so good. Other than Chris wishing we lived closer to the stop sign and holiday for ride meetups, we love where we live. We have three kids, Jackson six, Gracie four, and Letty two. Chris works in software sales, uh, healthcare space, but is always trying to figure out how he could make a living doing his own thing he's self-conscious and could, and you can give him a hard time about being colorblind. Dude, I did not know this. If you're ever biking with him during the fall and looking at beautiful colors, just know he can't see them and won't say a thing about them. Cha, did you know this?
1: I did. I did know that. Uh, I didn't know it, dude. So that's it.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, the the world is just different shades of gray for me. I mean, I'm like a dog. (laughs) No, honestly, it's not that bad. And, And I think I'm gonna just stand as an advocate for all colorblind people right now. Um, <laughs> representative, to explain what it is, I think most people do assume that you only see gray, or, or you know, you yeah. see very little color. In reality, a lot of people struggle with reds and greens. Which even then, it's like I can of course tell the difference of a red light and a green light and a stop sign. But once you like look up in the mountains, especially when the leaves are starting to change from green to red that's like and there's like very similar tones or cues to them like a lot of times it's hard for me to see those and, and so mm. we'll be driving up the canyon or whatever and Britt will say uh so pretty and like i just like literally can't see anything up there it's like just always this-
0: <laughs> we should do a team fundraiser for those special colorblind glasses and we'll film it I
2: know, right? Yeah. Same color. <laughs>
0: all right chris loved mountain bike in sun valley on family trips After we got married, he thought it would be fun for both of us to try road biking. We slowly started getting into cycling, did a few centuries around Salt Lake, and it's crazy to think that there was once a time I could beat him up a mountain. (laughs) I think he got sick of biking with me and started talking to Charles about joining the team. (laughs) So good. Uh, Not true,
2: but maybe partially true.
0: (laughs) Me and Charles were talking about this before you got on. Uh, Brittany says, one thing about Chris is he doesn't do anything little. When he decided to join me, Dwelle, he went full in, including buying everything possible. He was immediately impressed with how fast and how hard everyone worked. I definitely think he found his people. He put his mind to getting better and faster and figuring out how to keep up with Dwelle's. This team has been the best thing for him socially, mentally, and physically. I've been so impressed with how far he has come and how fast he's gotten. He's accomplished things and pushed himself harder than I thought he could. It would drive him crazy when he couldn't keep up. And he's worked so hard to get where he is today. He's made the best friends that are a long and long lasting relationships. He's the perfect example of putting in hard work to accomplish goals. He works hard at everything he does. I agree. He was an incredible missionary, an incredible dad, and a super hard and successful with work. I'm proud of what he's accomplished in cycling. Everyone loves Chris, and we're lucky to have him. I agree. That's the truth. Tra, anything to add there?
1: Are we going to cover the uh, Chris's wake up time later in the conversation? Let's just do
0: it now. We got to do it now. Let's t- we got to ask these questions. We'll just cut them out from the show. Go ahead.
1: I mean, Chris, t- talk to us a little bit about like I think the normal wake up time to be at the stop sign by like five twenty five is around you know five o'clock, but for you, yeah. you you have an extra warm up. Talk to us about <laughs> like what time what time do you typically get up and like how do you do that because I know when we're all going to bed and coordinating plans the night before like we're roughly in bed at the same time so just talk a little bit about that
2: <laughs> oh man I you know it's one of those things that I the way I look at it is I could either get up like an extra for, I guess for for context for the listeners you know I, I'm in Willow Creek and a lot of the the guys that I a lot of my friends that I ride with are in holiday and so there's about a 20 it's about a 20-25 minute ride depending on how fast you're pushing it to get to where we typically meet up. And so my mindset has always been like, man, like I could sleep in 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes more and go do a two or three hour ride by myself, which for me personally, I would not like that. Or, you know, I could just suck it up, get up at like, typically my alarm's like 440 and it's like, jump out of bed. My stuff's all laid out. I don't waste a second (laughs) because I try to make sure I get as much sleep as I can, but it's like 440 Everything's laid out. get dressed, throw the bottles on the bike, make sure the tires have air and and out the door and so for me, yeah, it's like an extra twenty minutes, but it's worth it for me because i uh you know I, I'd much rather ride with my friends than just you know get that extra little bit of sleep so and ride solo so that's really my motivating factor um that and I guess the other thing I'll add is just caffeine after after the ride i <laughs> <laughs> I got a, a a small addiction to making sure you know getting some caffeine in the morning uh, to to get me going because I'm pretty tired some of those days.
0: <laughs> Dude, what's crazy though is you're talking about a big mountain ride for me in Shaw that's like forty two miles.
2: Yeah, yeah. You're
0: you're like sixty three for that day. I mean, it's Ish. like yeah. I mean, it, I'm
2: about. I- Seven or eight miles, I think the stop sign about eight miles uh, from my house, but it's not like a straight, flat eight miles. It's like climbing out of Willow Creek, up Creek Road, or or one of those roads, yeah. that are not an easy climb.
0: Dude, I was I was not expecting that answer. I really wanted you to be like, yeah, I do it because I this is how I get better than all of you. I outmile you every
2: single ride. <laughs> I talked to Lang about that. He's like, I'm jealous. You get like an extra forty, fifty minutes of just like it's true. pace, like every day, and that you know he. I mean, yeah, that does help me too. Is that, that way one day I can uh, beat you guys up in the mountain. Mm -hmm. That day is now. What, what,
1: you know, like you probably just did your Strava year in review and it's like, here are your numbers. And like, what's Um, the average, what's the average wake up time? Like, I think mine's like five Oh five or something like that. Like what time does that thing tell you?
2: Does it have that on your review?
1: I I think it does. I might be mistaken, but I, I thought it did.
2: I mean, ride times, honestly, it's like any time we ride north, yeah, my wake up time is probably around four forty. And, and so I mean, I'm not I wish I could say I'm going to bed earlier, but like I'm probably going to bed around ten thirty on those days. So I mean, I, I try to get six hours of sleep on those days. Most of the time, I'm close. Anything less than that, And I'm just a zombie the rest of the day. so <laughs> that's tough. but yeah, I mean, those rides add an extra fifteen or sixteen miles from the rest of the group, and it's yeah you know it's hard some of those days
0: <laughs> nice dude hey maybe talk um a bit about what drew you and Brittany or you personally to cycling what brought you into it
2: you know I think we both are pretty pretty active people just like all growing up like she came from a family that was super active like her when she grew up when she was a kid like her parents just I mean, they, they were skydivers ski racers paragliders, hikers, they did all that stuff. And so she has a lot of memories of just like growing up, spending time at some trailer at one of the regional airports where her parents taught skydiving and and like just seeing this like super active, almost extreme sports lifestyle. I mean, her parents were on the U.S. Paris ski team. So this was an event where you jump out of a plane with your parachute and you try to land on a target on a slope ski hill. And so for those unfamiliar, landing on a flat surface is much easier to hit a target. Slope surface, just the angles and everything makes it much more hard. And so literally trying to land on a target, that's the first part of this event. The second part is, you know, either a uh, GS or slalom race afterward. And they were on the U.S. ski team uh, doing that all growing up too. So I mean, I think she just always had this mentality. She probably was a little bit more active than I was. I mean, I had my football, basketball, skiing, wakeboarding. I did all that stuff growing up and was really into that. But I think cycling for us when we got married, it's just kind of like it's a new thing that we could both do together. It lets us spend a lot of time together. We liked it, um, helped keep us healthy. Uh, so it was just one of those things that we tried and it kind of stuck. We just loved it and just kept going.
0: Nice. And then I know that Brit still rides now. We've seen you guys riding, but, you personally, um, maybe talk about that for just one second. Um, you've listed a few things about what you love about it, but anything that drew you to me, Dwelle, when, when Charles invited you out the first couple of times?
2: Uh, you know, I, I I think with cycling, we were kind of getting to the stage where, you know, we were starting a family. We couldn't ride at the same time together because uh, one of us had to stay home with our kids. I, I knew Charles had found Mijuele and, and really loved it. Charles and I had ridden a lot together. I think we did loadage like three years, like I think it was like 2015, 16 and 17. And, you know, so we'd ridden a lot together. But as you know, we started our family as it kind of had those limitations on on being able to ride with Brittany. And so he found, I think, Mijuele a year before I did. And it wasn't until I think late 2018 that um, you know, he invited me out. I did a couple of rides, loved it. And like Britt said, just like, like decide, all right, I'm buying all the kits. I'm I'm going in, we're gonna give this a try. And you know, it's <laughs> stuck. I, I met some of the greatest friends. And it wasn't always like that. It's not like I just immediately became friends, but you know, I, I it's something I want to really commit to and, and give a try, give it a try for a year or so. And um, you know, the rest is kind of history. I loved it and kept going.
0: try. you mentioned before Chris got on um how he is just We we were talking about being all in, but you you had talked about a little bit about um, when we were sharing Brittany's uh, introduction back and forth, maybe you could talk to the team about how you and Chris connect. I mean, why you invited him on the squad. What do you remember about that? How that happened?
1: What do I remember?
0: Yeah. How do you remember Chris joining the team? Like how it all started?
1: Yeah. I mean, Chris, so Chris. I have a funny memory, like, the first time I remember connecting on the bike is, like, I think I was riding back from emigration, and somehow, like, Chris and Brittany, we were, like, going the same way, or we passed, and we started riding together a little bit, and I had relatively recently moved back to Utah from Boston, and so we just kind of, like, quickly bonded over the fact that, like, we both were road biking. I didn't know a lot of people in my, like, social circle at the time that that road biked, and then I don't think we did Lotaja together. I think we both did it that year, but like, I don't think we really rode it together. But then the next year we kind of were like, hey, are you gonna do it? Like, let's sign up together. And so then it just sort of morphed into this thing of like, hey, we we ride bikes together. And that's like a really fun outlet for the two of us. I think I connected with the Mi team at the tail end of the 2017 season in the fall. And that was really just like, Jake was like, hey, come ride big cottonwood and it was the classic like dave sharp and paul and like you know all these people just hammering and like wow these guys go really hard up this canyon and so because of that i think i got into the zwift program for that winter and so when the spring came it was kind of natural that Harmon and i would be riding together i remember being like hey we're riding out south like why don't you jump on this uh this uh you know, group ride, I I do have like one funny distinct memory, which is like, I think we were like meeting Chris on Wasatch and you didn't know him really at the time. I don't think Yeah. And there's this group like hammering out and I'm kind of like the new guy too. So I'm like, Hey, I need to wait for my friend. But like the team was like, well, he's late. Like, we're not like, we're not stopping here. (laughs) And so I remember like dropping off the back and we, and we linked up, but it was just like one of those funny, like cultural things where like the the team tends to be very prompt in terms of like, Hey, if you're here, we're going to ride. And if not, like not a big deal, but like you can't hold up 20 people on a bike ride to wait for one person. That's not fair. Um, uh, and so I kind of have like this funny memory of just getting caught in between this dynamic of like, I've got my friend coming and not really knowing the team that well. And it, I think it all ended up working out great. Like we, we ended up catching back up or got rained out or something. I I can't remember what the day was, but
2: it, that's yeah. funny. You bring that up. I, I remember that that morning. I, I remember sending you a text. I'm going up Creek road. I'm like, Hey, I'm just running a couple minutes late. Just thinking it wasn't a big deal. And then getting to the top and seeing no one was there i was like oh my gosh and that was like the first time and last time i think i was late to a meetup or to a ride I there is no waiting like you're not there a couple minutes early you're late and you're gonna be left so that's a funny experience
0: i remember asking charles i'm like well does he have an s works and he was like no i'm like we're leaving we gotta leave it <laughs> dude so no, you tra- go ahead
2: Well, I was going to say, I I remember my first time riding with you too, Stu. Um, We had just ridden Emmy. I think Charles, well, it was probably the second time, but we had just ridden Emmy. It was another one of those things Charles invited me out. And then on the way back from Emmy, like a lot of the group started, kept going on Wasatch, heading south past where you normally turn. And we're kind of by the gravel pit on Wasatch. And I'm just thinking like, oh, these guys are probably going to turn around at the, you know, at the mouth of Big Cottonwood or something, head back through Holiday and I remember you said, wait, where's Chris Harmon? Where's Chris? Where's that, you know, where's that new guy? And I'm like, right here. Just kind of like embarrassed or like, yeah, it's me. And like you came back to me and like we chatted for a second. I remember that. I, was like, I just remember thinking like, wow, like, you know, he he took a moment to like actually acknowledge and like welcome you to the team. And that meant a lot to me, um, especially being the new guy. Cause it, it's like intimidating when you, when you yeah, re- meet up with this big group and you don't know them and they're all faster than you. And the fact that you took that time meant a lot to me. And well, then I, I want- remember you falling. With like oh yeah I'm I'm just going up Big Cottonwood Canyon now and I thought you were joking <laughs> you really did and I was like oh my gosh like I'm so tired an idiot like, this guy who is this guy <laughs> well I'm
0: you didn't have a green helmet on so without I knew we could talk ha- we yeah. could talk and you'd be good if you didn't have a green helmet and the ankle socks so oh, <laughs> hey maybe you've got some really good stuff here Chris can we talk for a second about how you manage lifestyle training riding um, I mean with how incredible of a cyclist you are it really is awesome to watch especially with what charles has already said like your early morning extra time maybe talk about some of the stuff you've put here about how you manage it all
2: yeah for sure i mean i think with cycling um especially at first i i think it's easy to get like consumed by it and like taking it take it too serious and and my my whole approach is like i want to take it serious i want to get better i want to be better But I also don't want to take it too seriously where it's not fun anymore. And, you know, I always like to joke But at the end of the day, you know, we're just a bunch of dads and moms that wear spandex, that ride their bikes for fun in the mornings or the weekends. And so, of course, you know, we like to push each other. We like to to get better. But at the end of the day, that's all it is. You know, it's not like we're any of us, maybe except for one or two, uh, you know, are are really going to go anywhere in their cycling career. And so, you know, I, I try to remember that. Um, like I said, you know, I, I love being able to push myself to get better. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully be able to do this for a long time. Um, I think as far as like, you know, helping me push myself, I, I think Stu, and a couple others, we, you know, we shared some of our goals uh, that we had for the upcoming season. Uh, and that helped. I helped me kind of hold me accountable, but also help me follow through with some of those things. Like, you know, I remember one of my goals was to set a PR on big Cottonwood Canyon. And that was something that, I hadn't made an attempt for in a long time and and frankly it's like it's not one that I love making an attempt on it's just such a long canyon um just an hour of just like burying yourself to to try to get that PR and so I remember it was just one day I just went out I was like like you know I've I've got the time I'm gonna do it no one else is riding it's a good time to try and um you know I probably wouldn't have done that if I if I hadn't shared those goals and so you know I think helping share what we want to achieve what I want to achieve with others has kind of helped me uh push myself or progress um you know I don't do a ton of racing like I do Lotoja, Crusher, Rodeo. um you know for 2023 I'm probably considering all of those I might do point to point The Dirty Dino looks like a lot of fun but like I don't I don't have like this this huge goal of like, I'm going to take first in load Like, you know, I'd love to, but really my goals are more around, I want to finish with the lead group Uh, mainly because, you know, so much can happen in 200 over 200 miles. Right. And if I can just, you know, play my tactics and strategy, right. Where I can finish and have a chance at that sprint. I mean, that's going to be, leave me, um, you know, feeling really happy about the result. Um, I'm not a sprinter, you know, I don't have Todd Raker's legs. Um, I'm not going to be able to throw down 1500 Watts for their, 300 yards to get that first or, or that podium, and so um, I'm realistic, I guess, <laughs> um, but I still like to be competitive and like to, to make an attempt for it. So uh, that's kind of my mentality and in, in going into races. um For training, you know, I, I think Zwift has kind of been a game changer for me. It's like one of those love hate things. Like I hate Zwift. Like there's so many mornings you're just like, I do not want to get on Zwift. But <laughs> at the same time, it's like you love it because like I know I'm getting better. I know I'm getting faster. Um, and really for me, I think that's been a game changer for me, uh, in the off season. Like I remember, I think the first year I took it seriously was like 2020 when I tried to join the Swift rides and the, you know, the amount of up-leveling I got from that experience of going into the, the next season in the summer or in the springtime was, was drastic. And like, I just remember burying myself. There were some mornings where I just like, I was like hurting so bad. Like like, you're almost in tears. You're pushing yourself so hard. Right. And and, (laughs) you know, that sounds terrible and it is, but like, you know, to Mm -hmm. see like the progress and see yourself getting stronger uh, from that is, is worth it too. So yeah. um, Yeah. Those are, those are some thoughts. I mean, I I try to do during the off season, I try to lift um, about four days a week, try to mix things up, not be so serious into cycling um, and Zwift. So Nice. A lot of those things can help me, uh, with my strategy around cycling.
0: Very cool. Maybe, um, Charles, you can, you can come in here. You guys have shared loaded of the last two years together. Maybe talk about that experience with Chris.
1: Yeah. I mean, the last two years have been, they've been incredible. Like I think, it was two years ago that we signed up for the master's 35 a's together. Man. Neither of us had ever raced in that category. I think, I, I think we both felt like there was a level of like intensity that I don't think we'd experienced in Lodija or a level of competition that we'd experienced there. And so my personal fear was just getting dropped over salt or strawberry or, you know, whichever climb it was. And I think both Chris and I, um, there's this really cool picture of the two of us going up and over salt together. And it's like, I think where we both kind of landed was like, Hey, let's just try to set a really hard pace. And if it makes it difficult for everyone, hopefully at least then we can, we can be the one setting the pace as opposed to trying to hang on to somebody else's pace. And I feel like it really in the last two years, like that strategy um, I don't think we ever like really talked about it, but I think just, Knowing how we both ride, knowing you know the level of you know suffering that we're both going through, I think we've both just kind of been right there together and it's it's actually worked incredibly year this well this this year was fun though we got over the crest of Salt River and we just started hammering and it was like Chris and myself <laughs> and Jason Lang was there and a few others and and we thought that we had a real gap to break away with the group, and unfortunately that didn't didn't turn out but uh
2: it was it was a fun moment of the race
1: oh man i remember cha took
2: the hardest pull at the top like right as you're kind of cresting and coming up to the summit and i'm just hanging on for dear life at the very end and then as i like kind of passed him to take my turn i just remember he looked over and was like go let's go let's go and it's like because the year before the year before we let up enough that some of the guys that were a little bit behind had uh were able to catch back on and so we just like hammered over the top as hard as we could Mm-hmm. um like chau said i mean unfortunately it didn't stick but at least it was a good try and it was that was about as deep as you can put yourself through
0: yeah dude one of my most favorite pictures of the team is you two fist bumping at the end of 2021 Lower yeah. j- it's like the coolest picture you know you both cross the finish line i think sixth and seventh in that lead group dude i love that pick and then from this year when you guys were at grodio eating those hot dogs that's my other favorite <laughs> picture. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So uh, we got
2: to do a call out. If you, if, if you haven't done Grodia, you got to try it out at least once. It is a suffer fest and it's a different type of suffer fest. It is just so hard, but also like so fun. I mean, you get throw it, mixing the ax, throwing hot dogs. I mean, what else do you need? Right? Yeah.
0: So funny. Hey, normally I do some quick fire questions here, but we've covered a lot of them. I just want to know, and, and we covered this a little bit, but um, some interesting I want to hear Chris what you think motivates you like what drives you to be to excel at work at family at all these things what what is it that you think intrinsically just drives you to to be a to not be mediocre as you say
2: yeah um you know I'd say naturally I'm a pretty competitive person that's just always been in me um Even as a kid, you know, I just always wanted to be the best or at least try to be the best. Um, You know, sometimes we're just limited by our own natural talents or abilities. Um, But, you know, I'm, you know, I I like and try to do well in whatever I do. Um, I set high expectations for myself, uh, for myself and and really in all aspects of life, not just cycling. So, you know, being a dad, being a husband, uh, being a friend, being, um, you know, a, a colleague at work or, you know, trying to just do my best and everything I can. Um, I I like truly believe that everything in life worth having is obtained through hard work. Um, you know, there might be times where you get freebies or handouts, but I don't think those really get a person anywhere. Um, or and or could hurt your own growth um, by getting those as opposed to working hard for something. And so just adapting or adopting that mindset and applying it to everything I do, I think has kind of been a big factor for me. How
0: have you learned that? Was that your dad's mantra or did you, did you kind of um, pick up on your own?
2: I mean, yeah. So, I mean, growing up, I had a good life. Like I, you know, I, I wasn't like exceptionally, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, I, I was kind of upper middle class, but it was like a good life. My, my parents worked hard. They took care of us. They provided us with a lot of opportunity. And so for me, as I've now grown up, you know, I, I want to be able to provide something similar, if not even more than than what I was able to have uh, when I grew up. And so I think that drives me a lot. I mean, being able to provide for my family and give my kids opportunity to, to have experiences and to learn new things and do fun things um, is really a big factor, a big driver for me. Um, you know, I, I just want to make sure that they get that same that same type of experience that I had.
0: Any follow-up questions, Shaw?
1: Anything? No, I, I, this is, I think it's kind of along those lines, but a little different. It's just to talk a little bit about in the notes, I see you, you talk about adversity and like how you deal with adversity, both on the bike and, and off the bike. And I, I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit more, Chris.
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think, you know, it's something that we're all going to experience. Um, so, I mean, on the bike, my my approach to that is like, you know, we're gonna learn from, just gotta learn from your mistakes and move on. Um, you know, sometimes they're just things out of your control. Um, sometimes they're things you can control and to kind of, you know, make adjustments and and move on is is all you can really do. Uh, I like still kind of going back to my joke, you know, we're just a bunch of middle-aged people wearing spandex, riding bikes. And so you just can't, I don't think you can take any adversity you, you experience on a bike too seriously. Um, you know, I think in life, you know, my mission was something that really prepared me for, uh, I I served a a mission for my church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and, you know, like you said, I was in Arkansas, Tennessee, serving Spanish-speaking people, that's all the only people I worked with, and, uh, you know, a lot of times you're getting rejection, you're getting doors slammed in your face, you're getting people say they'll meet you, and then they actually aren't home when they will meet you, and it's just constantly, you know, getting, you know, turned down or, or, you know, facing that type of adversity. Uh, But what's funny is like, that's a two year period. And and when you look back, um, you know, there's usually a very small period of time that are, you would consider the highlights or the things that you just remember and and share and talk about afterwards, uh, where, you know, 90, 95% of the time we're dealing with different challenges um, and, you know, wondering why you're out there. You're a 19 to 21 year old kid um, you know, going through all these challenges, like, you you know, a lot of times you have no business dealing with, but you know, for those five to 10% of the time where you're able to touch someone or introduce a life-changing opportunity for them and and where they actually see that through and and they make those changes in their lives. I mean, that makes it all worth it. And, And so I kind of view the same, same thing with life. It's like a lot of times in life, we're going to be going through hard things, through challenges, through setbacks, um, obstacles, and that's okay. I mean, that's just part of our growing experience. And it's really kind of those, those few moments in time where you actually are able to, to kind of see the rewards or the, see the, uh, the fruits from all those challenges that make it worth it. Um, you know, I, I, I think we've all learned the hard way, um, you know, multiple times that people go through a lot of hard things uh, that they never really share or open up about. You know, I've had some experiences, you know, with my own close friends. And, and I think, I don't think they open up. Or share their their challenges with us because they don't want to. I think you know a lot of times it's because they're afraid, maybe they're embarrassed, they're discouraged, or they're just too shy to, to share those things. Um, but you know, it was actually Charles. You and I were talking about this once on a, a bike ride. We were, I think you and I were riding up Big Cottonwood Canyon, and you told me we were talking about this very thing. And I remember there was a quote by President Irene that you shared with me that that really kind of stood out and something I've always remembered. It's always been on the top of my head and. Uh, President Eyring, uh Henry B. Eyring, he's uh, one of the leaders in the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, he says, when you meet someone, uh, treat them as if they were in serious trouble and you'll be right more than half the time. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of adopted that approach where, you know, a lot of times we like to put off that image that, you know, things are all fine and dandy, things are going great and, and life's great and we've got it all put together. But I think in reality, a lot of the times, like even our close friends, you know, even though they put off that that type of, you know, that, 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 um, that vibe, uh, a lot of times they're going through things that that maybe they, they haven't opened up or shared about. And so, you know, my advice or thoughts on that is if you ever have an inkling that something might be off with a friend, you know, it's better to just be safe than sorry, uh, check in on them, you know, rather than just assuming everything's okay. Reach out, and, and you know, I, I remember doing that to another friend a couple, you know, it was probably a couple months ago. And I just sent him a text, and it's like, "Hey, I have no idea, like, if this is true, or if anything's going on, but I just want to let you know I love you, and I'm there to support you if you need to talk." And you know, it turns out they were going through stuff, and um, you know, he was super grateful and and kind of thanked me uh, for reaching out. And I think kind of adapting that my mi- or adopting that mindset, I think, goes a long way, um, especially in this day and age where everyone's going through stuff, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Nice, dude. Great insight. Really good, Chris. I love that. Um, let's see. I want to near I mean, if we're good to move on here, um, I want to know how you got veins in your quads. You didn't used to have <laughs> veins in your quads. I want to know how you developed into uh, this. Like, psych- how did you uh, develop into this <laughs> cyclist now that now has veins in his quad? Tell, kind yeah. of, I'm being serious though. How did it happen? I mean. Just maybe tell that story about how you, you know it's one, of
2: those, it's one of those things you, you start having kids and you know your veins start opening up. You used to get it's you you know, <laughs> <hysterical laughs> veins for guys, dude. I don't know what else oh to tell you. I mean, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> no, in reality, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm getting old, maybe I need to wear compression socks more, but yeah, they're, they're there, they're, they're there intimidating. It's,
1: it's that low body percentage fat. That's my theory. Mm-hmm yeah, yeah just, he got true. on the cycling diet and he just, just <laughs> there's no fat left so the veins had to come
2: through <laughs> i just use that for an intimidation factor the start line of, of any race yeah, I do. Nice. <laughs> is That's there like, anything
0: um, that you is there anything you can kind of pinpoint though that has developed you as a super strong uh, i mean in the last three or four years I- incredible gains anything that you can uh pinpoint
2: yeah. I mean, I think there's like a handful of things. Um, I mean, for me, you know, in my growth over the last three or four years, like I think a lot of it is to be attributed to just the friends that I ride with. I feel like I found some amazing friends that push me, that, that make me, uh, you know, a better rider. And they're also patient with me, uh, you know, especially in those first few years when I was getting dropped every single ride that they would still encourage me. And so just, you know, a few call outs there with, you know, I, you know, Stu, you were one of those, Shaw, um i remember doug you know was was one of those guys that he'd always just send me texts like i get a pr up a canyon he'd just like give me a call or shoot me a quick text just uh you know just saying that's rad man like congrats like even though it was something he was probably 10 minutes faster up the canyon just those kind of things really helped keep me going uh, i talked about zwift already um you know and, and how i think that that's really helped um level up my game uh you know my writing and then just you know Having that mentality of constantly trying to get better, I think, are kind of the big three factors for me.
0: Nice. Very cool. All right. Chris has got some incredible memories that we are going to work through. But before we work through them, he's going to tell you about how he hit a cat.
2: (laughs) Oh, boy. Was this? uh, So this was uh, July of 2021, uh, the infamous cat, which has been now the brunt of a lot of jokes since. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah so it was one of those early mornings uh it was an, i think it was a big mountain ride that day it was like a monday or tuesday morning and um so four forty wake up time on the bike by about five or five oh five and it's at this point it's still really dark outside like you can't see it i mean i'm rolling with a headlight and as i'm winding through one of my neighborhoods i'm going about 20 25 miles an hour and just out of nowhere i just noticed out of the corner of my eye something like just. Kind of dash out in front of me and I'm just oh, like man. oh my gosh and then it's like it's like right there and all I can think of there was two thoughts I had and this is I was kind of thinking about this the two thoughts I had was like AJ and his episode when he was coming down east I think it was east canyon or somewhere where he said you just hold your bike straight and just hold on try <laughs> just to hope, hope that you roll over it right <laughs> and so that, that's like my that was my instinct and then I was like all right hold on I didn't even have time to reach my brakes it was literally just hold on and hope that that you stay upright but the cats running, you know, across the street had darted out from behind a bush. So it's not like I could see it in the, in the distance. Like it was literally just instantaneous cat hold on. And then all of a sudden I'm on the, on the tarmac, on the asphalt, just sliding.
0: <laughs> and it's like four in the morning. Dude. Oh, it was.
2: Yeah. So literally, I think it was like five, oh, it It's five, 10 in the morning. Uh, and so I crashed hard enough. Like my, you know, I, I bent my rear derailleur into my rear wheel. My handlebars all screwed up. Oh my God. Railers, you know. And and I had, um, luckily, no major injuries, but, like, slid, you know, into someone's driveway, basically, and I'm just sitting there just in a daze, like, what just happened? Like, one second, everything was great, and now I'm laying on the ground, all, get all torn up, boat rash. I'm calling my wife, and she's still asleep, and her phone's not waking her up. I'm about a mile from home. So, finally, I'm just like... Freak, like screw it I, I guess i'm walking home there's not um, it's five in the morning it's not like there's gonna be so a car driving home and so i i took off my shoes because i don't want to mess up my shoes or my cleats right and literally just walked barefoot for a mile home you know with my bike oh, over man. my shoulder
0: <laughs> oh good and then that i mean the joke is still on our text thread uh, yeah. yes because chris was like hey man you gotta get i mean it was kind of funny for a minute and then we are like, hey, you got to get back on the bike, dude. Don't be afraid of cats. And then it was like every, it was the brunt of every joke. It was like, we should go out, but it's raining. And somebody, Chris would be like, well, I'm not afraid of rain. And then Todd would be like, dude, I'm not afraid. Of, I'm not afraid of cats. I'm not afraid of dogs." I mean, and it just kept going and going and going, dude. Not afraid
2: of cold, not afraid of squirrels. <laughs> squirrels. Got about 10 different text threads with different so names to it. <laughs>
0: All right. Any other great memories? You've listed some good ones, some favorites. Oh man.
2: Yeah. Some of my favorite memories riding. I mean that 2022 or 2020 year had some great memories. Um, yeah. the challenges that you put together to the Vert challenge riding, you know, I was stupid enough to ride big cotton Canyon three days in a row. I remember the <laughs> third day, I think Sean texted me. He's like, Hey, I know you've already ridden twice, but you want to go one more time? And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> And also with that, for anyone that wants to go back, look at my my feed, you know, Todd Raker and I, we had some real fun, like, because a lot of people were asking, like, we're climbing canyons at this point, and a lot of people were asking, is the gate open, is Guardsman gate open, or is the Big Mountain gate open, and so we would post these Photoshop pictures to our <laughs> straw, right, with, like, just ridiculous Todd wearing tights and is you know sitting next to a tiger because Tiger King was really big back then or me sitting in my uh what is it called in my like man thong with an eagle on my shoulder with the gate showing that the gates open so just like a lot of fun stuff like that and it's like that went on for weeks and it was like finally there was one day when Brittany came in to, to where I was on my computer. She's like, what are you doing? Like, you've been home from your ride for an hour. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just finishing up editing this photo so I can post it to Strava. It's like, it <laughs> <that> was a <laughs> good time. Too.
0: Oh my gosh!
2: Oh, and then yeah, the mileage challenge. I think there's a few days, Chog, you and I were just like, it's 20 degrees outside, and we're riding, and it's like this is so stupid. There's like snow on the ground, but we got to get our miles in so we can get that free shoe. Stu promised us.
1: Oh my gosh! I think you got a flat tire one of those days too. It was like
2: it was like
1: everywhere. It's like freezing cold. Hands are. It it was you brutal. can barely
2: feel your fingers trying to change a flat. Yeah, it's a, it was a mess, but no, there are so many good memories. It's hard to list them all. Uh, Stu, I mean, I, I just love riding with the team and I feel like, I mean, every year gets better. I mean, discovering gravel riding uh, a couple of years ago has been awesome. And, and just seeing that kind of more and more guys, um, you know, making the jump and doing that, that mixes it up for me. I mean, it keeps things fresh, makes it so you don't get burned out on the road. Um, yeah lot, lots of stuff like that that ride down crusher after we oh. all finish crusher we've got to ride back to our car and Yay. we're thinking that's just like a 20 minute or sorry a 20 mile downhill down a canyon and for those unfamiliar the top of crusher I mean you're like I don't know how many what your elevation is but I mean you're high I mean it's like you know middle of summer and it's like 50 degrees but by the time you get down to your car it's like 105 degrees and just like I mean, I think we called it like the highway to hell. Like it was so freaking hot. <laughs> We're all just sweating, dying, wanted to be done, especially right after finishing the race. The last thing we want to do. That was awful. So but very, yeah, was, but very enjoyable. Lots of good memories.
0: Nice. Try any memories you want to review? want
1: to talk about? I, I mean, I think we got to talk about the one up Lambs Canyon briefly. Was that, <laughs> oh, yeah. was that yeah. on the audio? I mean, There was this morning. I think it was like Stu, Chris, and I, I don't know if anyone else was there. We're riding up Lambs Canyon and this moose pops out on the road and it's kind of like not getting out of the way. And so we continue our way up and it's kind of like jumping in and out of the trail. And it, did we get to the top and then come back down and run into the moose again on the way down? And like, I was legitimately scared. Like, I think you two were up ahead and I was kind of like off in the back, like thinking like, well, if this moose goes after one of them at least i'll be like a little bit removed from the situation <laughs> <laughs> thanks john um but i mean there, there there's so many but that that's one that stands out for me <laughs> nice
0: yeah man that was terrifying those th- those that moose are not we do not want to tango with those beasts up there i and you're like clomping around in stupid cleats as if you could run fast if it actually made a move on us not going to happen no All right. Let's, uh, let's bring it in for landing here, Chris, you've got some great advice. Um, maybe some things that stick out to you that you've learned over the years, just riding and being out on the road through sports and stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many things. Um, you know, I I'd say if your goal is to get faster in cycling, um, and you're in it to, to try to improve and, and be a better cyclist, I think it's just you got always got to remember it, it's a long and hard road. There's no shortcuts. There's no easy path to, to get there. You can't, uh, I mean, unless you're, uh, you know, taking some, uh, you know, taking something, uh, extra special, uh, through a needle, you're, you're really not going to, um, be able to get there unless you apply just a good old fashioned hard work discipline. Um, uh, but then also I think, you know, if you do want to get better, you know, riding only part of the equation, right? Like like nutrition, sleep, recovery are equally as important, if not more important. But I think a lot of us fail to give those two pieces the same amount of attention or, or time. And I know I did, especially at the beginning, like, you know, like Charles was talking about, it's like some of those mornings i be like, oh, I'm fine on four or five hours of sleep. I'll just get a monster or a Red Bull after the ride. And it's like, that catches up to you eventually. Like you got to make sure you prioritize sleep. You got to prioritize um eating healthy and it's kind of that balancing act between those three at least for me personally that, that has kind of helped me um become better um i think the other thing with cycling um that that i've learned over the years is you know friendships gained um you know through this sport they make all the difference like i mean there there may be some people out there that prefer to ride solo or kind of do their own thing but for me personally, like I know that I wouldn't be nearly as dedicated or, or excited about uh, getting out on my bike, you know, if I didn't have a support group and, and close friends to ride with each morning, there there'd be a lot of mornings where I'd probably just sleep in. But because I know that, you know, four or five of my really close friends are all going to be at that meeting spot that we set, that you know, that that really kind of motivates me to to keep going. Uh, as far you, you mentioned advice for young riders, Stu.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Although, um. Charles had an interesting point before we got on that um of all the people on the team, and I've actually Chris heard this a few times, um, you absolutely live by what you're about to say, which is the commitment to show up. Um, I don't know where that comes from in you, but Charles was mentioning it to me, which is you are at you, you are right, you are at what we do. Zwift (laughs) team ride. (laughs) Uh, It does not matter. Kit, pick up uh, your commitment to show up and be there is uh, is admirable. I mean, anything to say about that?
1: Well, I I think this is just tying back one of the things Chris described earlier, which is like the not afraid cats morning. Like, I think if I recall correctly that morning, it was like, wait, why isn't Harmon here on this ride? Because he's because you're such a you're such a, a staple in terms of like anything team related, like you're going to be there and you're going to show up. And I remember, I, I don't know if it was Stu or someone who ever told me that morning, it was like, no, he, 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 you know, had this accident and it was like, that's how consistent you are. Like it's, it's taking, you know, an accident to keep you from, from showing up despite the five hours of sleep or or whatever. And so I think that just, to me, that exemplifies your level of commitment to, to showing up and, and putting your best foot forward.
2: Yeah, okay, I, I appreciate that. I mean that my, my thought is like those mornings where you do just want to sleep in, like once you're up, once you're out riding, you never regret getting up. You may be a little bit tired, but like, you're always happy you actually did it and you committed and and went and followed through on that. And so I've never had it Well, that I can remember. I've never had a day where I haven't, um, you know, been happy that I got up on those, those mornings that were a little bit harder. I mean, Stu, to your, to your, to your question, I mean, yeah, you know, I I think if you're a young rider, you're looking at me dwelling, and you're interested in in trying it out, like I'd say, jump in head first. Don't just tiptoe or, or dip your toe in. You know, if you decide to join the team, you know, make a commitment and continue to show up. Um, you know, I, I know it can be intimidating. I know that there's a lot of guys that are probably more experienced or they're faster than you, um, but it's important to remember that you know we all are you know, we all started as a young new rider at some point and, and we all stuck through it. And, and I don't think any of us regret sticking through it. It's, you know, one of my favorite things to do is get out and ride with, with everyone. So, yeah. um, you know, making that commitment and following through, I think super important.
0: I love that. Um, I love this other thing that you say, maybe talk a little bit about this. Cause I, I fully agree with this. As you said, you get what you put into it. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's like anything in life. Like, you know, the, I I've seen guys that have come to the team, uh, join the team and they just like join as if like, they're getting like a, you know, first class ticket to, to everything and that they should be treated, you know, like what, a, you know, treated top notch and, and never have to give anything back. And, and I don't think that that's really what, you know, embodies the me the dwell a uh, spirit. I mean, I think, you know, if you want to, to, I mean, it's fine if you want to just join and, and kind of maybe lean in and, and kind of rely on the team to some degree to support you and, and and that will work. But I mean, I think it's so much more rewarding to really kind of insert yourself, look for opportunities to give, contribute to the team, help out, reach out to someone else that maybe, uh you know, maybe need some help. And, and, and really it's much more fulfilling and rewarding doing it and, and kind of approaching it that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When we shared goals last year, it was one thing real inspiring from Chris. He, one of his goals was to bring someone into the team. I'd never even thought of that as like a goal before, uh, to be on the lookout for, for, um, you know, someone that we could bring in and, and help the team grow. That was a really cool thing to see. So it's, 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 um, part of your mindset. So I love that.
2: It's easier said than done. I I think cyclists are (laughs) cyclists are a different breed. I mean, the average person doesn't enjoy getting up at five in the morning and going riding bikes for two hours. Right. I mean, it's hard. Like it has to be that certain type of person that that just loves to to work hard, to suffer, to, to, to kind of go through that experience. But, you know, every once in a while, I think there's going to be guys that are going to reach out and if someone is interested or wants to, to join, you know, I think it's important to do that. And I think it's also important to find like the people within the team. We're a big group, right? We're a big team. And you're not always gonna fit in, you know, in certain, you know, kind of smaller groups within the team. And that's fine. It's like I think everyone needs to find their own people within the team. Uh kind of like what Brittany said, like just find your people. Um, and, and to do that, I think you gotta be vulnerable. You gotta reach out to other guys that maybe have similar interests, writing abilities, or or kind of the same schedule that you're on. Um, and, and you may have to invite yourself if you have to. Uh, like I remember there was one, it was the first year I remember texting Jake and I was like, hey, like. I haven't seen any like team rides on saturday like is there anything going on and and i know that it was like one of those things where he's, he's like oh gosh chris just texted me like what oh, <laughs> am <laughs> i gonna because i so i'm gonna be because he he's writing tomorrow and i'm gonna see it on strava and he's probably yep. like oh, yeah yeah we're doing this big and it was like this hundred mile loop through pc and i'm this guy. <laughs> It was a new guy that's going to be dragging the whole time. Oh um, I, I'd like to think I held my own. I, I probably wasn't the slowest, but, you know, I, I was kind of at the back of the group uh, on some of those climbs. But um, sometimes I think you just got to do that and, and find your place on the team. Um, and, and if you do, like, it's, you know, as rewarding as anything. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm super glad I did. And hopefully Jake's not too pissed at me for, uh, for doing Dude, that. The <laughs> thing is, it's such good advice
0: because the thing is, my natural reaction is uh I, I don't want to invite them i don't want to you know but always yeah. but choosing i've tried so hard to to choose what i would want someone else to treat me like if i wanted to be part of a group if i wanted to go on a saturday ride and i was like hey are you guys doing a ride what's going on like of course you want to be included and is it a burden on the other people maybe um but i being part of this group um, uh, i think that's a huge deal is okay maybe you're going to be inconvenienced whatever are you really though like you're not i mean come on you're not i mean <laughs> you can put your headphones in on marzak and ride for 45 minutes really hard if that is what makes you happy but in the end i think it always turns out um at least this is my opinion dude being inclusive being kind and treating you know a new rider or whatever in the way that you you would want to be included that's always a win that always totally. turns out that it, and i would and i would be willing to say it's always a lose when you think that you're too hot to include somebody on a whatever if you're like oh he can't hang with us don't invite him I'm like dude shut up that's my <laughs> opinion. that's my opinion
2: if you think about it like use that marcia example Stu. i mean worst case you have to wait three exactly. to five minutes at the top right it's like you need that three to five minutes a lot of times just to catch your breath. Anyway, it's not a big deal.
0: It's not. And if you're really hard pressed, just go. You can just go down Big Conwood. That's not. But a big deal. but I
1: feel like I feel like from those because I remember being the exact. I mean, I, I felt like I've been in that exact same situation where you're like, who's going on a ride? Like, who do I text? How do I get into this? Like, I feel like <laughs> I feel like when you're on the opposite end of that and you include someone, it's like almost always you create a friendship that, yes. like in many cases, it turned into this like incredibly rewarding you know like forget biking it's like an incredibly rewarding relationship in your life and so it's like the, the the trade-off there is it's just kind of it's almost a no-brainer right of like best case you're gonna have like a great new friend who you can chat bikes a bit about with and in worst case you're waiting five extra minutes at the top of guardsmen like it, it's right. just no big deal no big deal
0: biking brought me to you too i'm really grateful for our friendship
1: yeah,
0: I agree. Too. Anything else, Try Any other questions for Chris before we wrap up?
1: What? No, I, we, we've covered so much. I mean, I, I guess I would say, give us, give us your latest uh, recovery tactic. I feel like you're on mm. the cutting edge of, of Always. Recovery things, whether that's the boots, the massage gun, like monster,
0: kind of, like... A, a big monster and some oatmeal for breakfast. <laughs> uh, that's. you know that monster no
2: no it's really maybe a protein drink a fair life protein drink that's the secret and a banana and a banana you know I um speaking to that though recovery like for those I mean I think everyone gets it to some degree I mean yeah the boots game changer I think especially on those hard like when things get really the riding gets heavy and you're, you're putting in 200 or more miles each week like those are a game changer at night Uh, I love the pictures that, you know, Cha or Stu, you and I will all send each other just sitting in our boots with Netflix going or something. (laughs) Uh, Massage gun. Yeah, I mean, nothing special. Sleep. Make sure you get enough sleep, which that's where I struggle the most.
1: Don't get a whoop. That's what I'm gonna say.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't get a whoop. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's just, just gonna. You're you're you think you get six hours, and it's gonna be like, no, you actually get five hours. Mm-hmm. And then it's gonna be like, you need ten hours every night, and you're gonna be like, well, that's not possible. So.
0: <laughs> and then it suggests a bedtime of seven fifty-four p.m.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't go to bed at that time, even if I oh, wanted to. That's so funny. <laughs>
0: All right, Chris, super grateful for you. I never thought like as an older grown adult that I would gain two awesome friends like you guys, but I really have. And I'm super thankful for all the time we get to spend together. So thanks.
2: Hey, I appreciate that, Stu. Yeah, it's um, it's honestly like like Brittany said at the beginning, it's like one of those things that's really kind of uh you know change my life for the better and something i'll forever be grateful for i mean just so many good people on this team and, and every time someone new joins and i get to know them i'm just like I, i'm grateful i got to know that person and hope they keep coming back i mean it's a great sport great community great team uh really grateful to be a part of it thanks man
1: Shaw, i'm i'm also grateful to be a part of this team and and for the relationships that have enriched my life i i'm um, you know, I love the two of you guys. I, lo- I love this team and this group of humans. It's a, it's a fantastic part of my life.
0: All right, boys. Thanks.
1: Okay. Have a good Bye.
0: one. I got to go get in my Bye. recovery boots before we ride. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, you. see ya.